Well, hello, everybody. I'm Chris Wood, Associate Editor of DMN. Welcome to the One-on-One -on -one Podcast. I'm here today with Tom O'Regan, CEO of Madison Logic. Welcome. Thanks very much. And thanks a lot for having me here at your offices on Park South. Absolutely. Happy to have you here, in a, in, a, in a cold day. Um, we've been talking on DMN a lot about uh, different content strategies, especially in the B2B space, how they've sometimes adopted uh, B2C strategies. Just it's, it's an emerging space, and I was interested in, you know, what, what do you see, especially um, with Madison Logic, kind of with the ABM offerings, um, where kind, content kind of fits in with that, or, or what your overall perspective is? Absolutely. So I think in, in B2B, everything is becoming more measurable. And I think with all the new technologies and all the measurement platforms out there, brands are able to see how content's resonating across different platforms and different assets. So they're able to see and leverage and utilize real-time data to look at actual engagement across social display and various channels like gated content or content marketing. And I think B2B brands have a level of sophistication around which assets are performing really well and what types of content is resonating with their target audience and increasingly a segment of accounts. So there's so much that brands can do, leveraging data in real time to be able to personalize content based upon their overall strategy, which is just generating revenue from a group of accounts. And just, you know, in its simplest form, B2B marketers are looking to grow. They're trying to target most effectively and utilize their budget to be able to drive the highest ROI possible. And so you mentioned like kind of like a specific interest or a, a way of like optimizing the content for a particular audience. It's there are there are different roles in in B2B space. So is it about more content that they're trying to develop or is it about getting to know who the audience is better? Because data as you said and especially real time plays such a big role. Well, I think it's I think it's like spear fishing, you know. So I think with ABM, it's becoming so much more. Everything's being becoming so much more targeted. So brands are selling to a group of organizations, and they know the personas, they know the buying committees, they know how many people and how many departments are involved. So at a one-to-one -one level, sophisticated B two B organizations are looking at their content and saying, "We're selling to financial services organizations. Here are the types of individuals or groups or personas." that are going to influence or purchase our product and they're able to customize based upon that individual company on a one-to-one -one basis and they're able to create different assets so that it's going to resonate and engage all those different buyers. So it really deals with understanding the target market, the actual companies, and then all those buying committees and then adjusting your creative and personalizing it based upon those decisions being made. So personalization is important also uh, in the B2B space because that is one of those kind of traditionally B2C consumer driven. A absolutely. I think, I think personalization is everything now that marketing is all shifting to account based, right? So B2B marketing shifted from this general audience approach to, to ABM. Everything in B2B is ABM. So we've got 400 clients globally in North America, Europe, and in Asia. And every one of the software companies, whether it's middle market or enterprise organizations, they are shifting their strategy to a 100% ABM-focused sales strategy. And with that sales strategy comes investment, reinvestment, and allocation towards ABM. So everything's getting more personalized. Everything's getting more hyper-targeted. 
and the requirements are all around the integrations and the tools that B2B marketers use to communicate between their sales and marketing organizations. So companies like Madison Logic have to integrate with the tools these marketers are using so that they can communicate effectively and leverage the marketing investment to achieve results. What kind of content uh, fits in? So uh, another trend is like more video. Uh, the traditional B2B content is like maybe like white papers and hardcore research. Have, have you seen, what, what do you see uh, in, in the space? We don't, we're, we have a full funnel approach at Madison Logic. So we have a platform that engages um, decision makers across platforms with kind of top of the funnel messaging. And that would include social and video and native content. So on an awareness front, we're seeing more video used specifically across mobile channels. Okay. But from a registration standpoint, a contacts or a leads perspective, it's still around the gated content. So there's a bent in Asia more towards short form content. No one's downloading 50, 60 page white papers on their mobile device. In Asia, it just doesn't work. So infographics work better in certain markets. Bite size, um, even free content versus gated content. But in North America, the standard white paper and webinars seem to be working really well for large enterprises. And, and there's a acceptance on the, um, on the decision maker front. That's just one way, kind of a, a norm tried and true way to be able to access information and then disseminate it to other people within the organization. I've attended recently like a, a, a panel on uh, China and how China's uh, very digital first that they've kind of leapfrogged a lot of a lot of the communities in China from you know a, a paper traditional world right into digital and smartphone without actually having like a landline you know and it makes sense to me then like in China that uh, it would be more mobile driven versus there's still this idea of sitting around an office at a desktop you know, uh, in, in America. I mean, is, is that the kind of dichotomy that you're seeing or are there other reasons, do you think? Or Well, it's uh, very interesting. You know, the Chinese market is one that's um, cloaked in secrecy. You know, while everyone knows a lot about China, it's very hard to access and to leverage data. So it's not a market that we're in, but in Asia specifically, there is a much higher percentage of content consumption across mobile devices and a much higher percentage as compared to Europe and North America. So that consumption of content will yield different assets across different channels. But um, I think even, even here in the US, I mean, I spend way more time on my mobile device and all of the B2B apps that I look at, whether it's SAP's Concur or it's, or it's Salesforce.com or looking at all the intelligence I use to run the business through my BI tool Domo, Everything's accessible in real time on my phone, and I spend way more time on my phone than my multiple, you know, laptops. It has to be on the phone. Has to be, um, and it's a different form factor then. That's exactly right. I, I wonder if that informs. I mean, this is kind of content, but I mean, <clears throat> the way that B two B applications have to think mobile, um, how how that changes kind of the dynamic too uh, for an American or European business person. Well, I think, that, I think these organizations are understanding that they have to take a mobile-first approach, right? Even right. five years ago, some of the tools I use now on my mobile device were not as accessible, right? So you'd be, looking at, you'd be looking at different screen sizes and you wouldn't be able to input information and it wouldn't be easy and the upgrades wouldn't be there. So I think that 
with all the latest iterations of larger middle market or enterprise companies, mm -hmm. they take a really mobile first approach. And, and I see that from an adoption standpoint and user standpoint. Mm -hmm. Is there more social, you mentioned like content through social channels, is social uh, playing a bigger part in uh, business decisions? I think specifically for uh, B2B marketers, B2B marketers love LinkedIn. It's amazing the engagement I get personally and professionally through Madison Logic across the LinkedIn platform. But anywhere I go in the world, and we're lucky to have multiple different offices um, on, on a number of different continents, wherever I go, I spend a week in India, and I come back, and I'm in San Francisco. If I'm meeting with CMOs of large enterprises, they ask me, Tom, what was going on in India? I heard you had an ABM symposium. Tell me about that. But just even my travels, just frequently updating across LinkedIn, you have this understanding that that's where B2B marketers live. And I feel like way more so than Instagram or, um, or Facebook or Twitter, where there's more noise and higher frequency, I think there's more value in the engagement on LinkedIn. A little earlier you had mentioned kind of hyper-targeting and, and personalization. So uh, how is that taking shape in uh, what you've heard back from some of your clients? Our clients are the fastest growing enterprise technology companies in the world. They are extremely discerning. They are looking at every dollar they spend in marketing and they are looking to justify that within their organization. And even more so to the sales leaders who have gotten way more vocal and involved specifically around ABM. So um, we have the benefit of leveraging a platform that's integrated into the tools marketers are using, specifically their CRM and marketing automation platforms. So we're able to see real data that is a byproduct of marketing expenditure across a number of accounts. And what we've seen, um, even leveraging some recent studies, we did one with Forrester. There's a total economic impact report, a TEI report that we did with a cohort of clients within North America. And they were able to see what the impact was on hyper-targeted digital messaging across display, native, and content marketing, and how that personalized messaging across a segment of accounts yielded higher engagement, website activity, download registration, ultimately opportunity creation. So opportunities were created faster, increasing the velocity at higher value amounts, and they were able to close a higher volume of deals as a result of the hyper-targeted, personalized messaging across multiple channels, something we call journey acceleration. So what kind of uh, personalization, what kind of tidbits are in there, aside from like the name? And so if a decision maker at a target company was really interested in a particular webinar or infographic or white paper, and many individuals at that organization were showing intent for a particular topic or subject, you would you'd be able to use that information, leverage it with the marketing automation from the client around the website activity or email engagement, couple that together to hyper-personalize the next set of messages to move those opportunities to the next stage. So you're, use, you're using the content as like a jumping off point to <clears throat> gear the messaging. That's exactly right. We're, we're aggregating third-party data along with first-party data from our client's own systems to be able to hone in on really what those target clients are looking at and the best ways to engage them. 
So it's almost like content is uh, is like a is like a source of this personalization. It's the way that teams get around a, a certain idea. I think that's right, and I think it used to be a very low frequency at which B two B marketers would create content. They'd create these white papers. They'd create the webinars. They'd run a campaign for a year. They'd get some results. Maybe they'd change them the next year. We actually had to get into the content creation business because many of our largest clients weren't refreshing their content. They weren't personalizing their content. Our platform couldn't be successful if they didn't hone their message based upon the intent data we had, saying the companies you're selling to are looking for this. Your content that you created 12 months ago is on a topic that's no longer relevant. Personalize your content, yields better engagement, and you'll be able to track that ROI. So we've been able to see that over time with many large marketers that as they've developed more personalized content based upon what their target clients are looking at, it unsurprisingly increases engagement and creates opportunities and delivers a better ROI over time. I wonder if it also has to do with the real-time data flow that's coming in, you know, uh, that you, it also kind of creates a feedback loop to update the content because you're accelerating the conversation. That's exactly right. That's why platforms that are measuring marketing activity across a segment of accounts have to be integrated with the tools clients are using to communicate because the third-party data is only as good as a byproduct of the first-party data that comes out of those systems that only when leveraged together can create a meaningful impact. And they have to create more uh, creative. They have to create more creative. Right? And, and, and sophisticated B2B marketers know that they need to either build out larger teams internally augment that with external teams, but the frequency at which they create content and the personalization of that content is key to the success of B2B marketers and therefore ABM marketers. Well, I have to say, Tom, you've really opened up the conversation here uh, in terms of uh, for our readers and, and listeners just uh, thinking of new ways that content is, is able to uh, you know, really generate revenue in a sense. Happy to do it. Great to meet you. Chris. Yeah, great. Thanks awesome. a lot for uh, joining us, Tom. And uh, as always, thanks for listening, everybody else. And do feel free to check more data, strategy, and technology at dmnews.com. Thanks for listening.